Hello, church family. Uh, today we are going to look at the text from Acts chapter 2, verse 20, 37 to 47. Um, and again, as a way to continue on what we've gone so far, uh, remember in the beginning of chapter 2, the Holy Spirit has entered into the life of the believers. Um, Jesus has ascended into heaven, and the believers uh, finally uh, were given the promise of the Holy Spirit to dwell in them. So the Holy Spirit entered into them, and uh, and they were able to speak in tongues uh, or different languages. And uh, people were accusing them of being drunk with sweet wine. Um, and Paul, I mean, sorry, Peter, in verse 14 uh, to 36, was basically making a dev defense uh, from Scripture that that's not the case, that all of the people that uh, they're speaking in tongues. The reason why they're able to do these seemingly impossible supernatural things is because the Lord had promised them in the Word of God that they are able that they were going to do this, and uh, and the result of that. And actually, this is really Peter's very first sermon, and in, you know, I remember my first sermon that I've ever preached, and it was not nearly as fruitful as this. Um, and you know, for, for but for Peter, the Lord used him in such a unique way that after his very first sermon, uh, many people have come to saving faith. Uh, he, he pleads with them. He tells them to go and, and, and turn uh, to Jesus Christ. And as we get to this part, uh, this portion, which is 37 to 47, we see the results of that. The result of that very first sermon is, is amazing because um, they understood what they needed uh, was salvation in Christ. And that, and, that, and that changed their affection so that they became worshipers of God. So as we, I'm just going to walk through this and then just draw some uh, practical applications. But I think the, but before I begin to get to it, I, just, I do think that the overarching point of this section from verse 37 to 47 is that uh, loving the Lord changes the way that we live our day to day. That when you love Jesus Christ, that you truly have a devotion to him, and you dedicate your life to living for him, that it's going to look different. Look at verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? This is very interesting because this word pierced here, is the, this, this word is only used here in the entire New Testament. And this is this idea of just being, um, this inability to dodge something and then finally get hit in the target. Um, the Lord used Peter to strike them in the heart with the gospel once he's you know, explaining him, uh, exhorting them, uh, explaining God's word, exhorting them of God's word. And they were pierced to the heart and then it caused them to to, to want to know Jesus. Like, what does it do with this? And this is actually the, the, the proper response and the response that you know, every pastor wants, that they go, they go from just listening to God's word to now obeying and turning to him. And Peter responds by saying, uh, repent, oh, verse 30, Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins um, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now obviously this is a verse that a lot of cults use. They often use this verse to explain why you need to uh, be baptized in order to be saved. Now obviously there's problems with that because one, in the verse itself, it says that this is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It wouldn't be a gift if it was not free. If it's something that you earned, they'll say you have earned um, the Holy Spirit. If you know if you you know repent and get baptized. But I think the biggest confusion is actually for the word 
here for. And when we read it in English, sometimes we interpret it as like, we need to do this to get salvation. But the reality of the word here actually means we get baptized because of our salvation, because of the forgiveness of our sins. Um, we're in, in the Olympic Games right now, um, and it's like when a person gets a gold medal, they get a gold medal for... Uh, their uh, for their participation in whatever act in whatever sports they're in, uh, whatever event that they're part of, it wasn't that the medal makes them that uh, athlete. It was that they were athlete, and the reason why they got the medal was for their participation, uh, for you know for their skill. It was a result of that. It's because of their um, for forgiveness of the sins. That's why they have to get baptized. Um, it wasn't because it wasn't like uh, it wasn't like you need it for meaning like this is uh, uh, the precursor for salvation. So that's where I think be a lot of cults misunderstand that that they, they interpret the word uh, that in name for in name of Jesus for for the forgiveness of sin they they interpret it as something that you need in order to achieve it as opposed to saying no the reason why you baptize is because as a result of or because of the fact that you are forgiven of your sin. So it's the other way around, the way that people understand it. Now, obviously, uh, we understand throughout the totality of even the book of Acts that it's not by your works. It's not that something you do. Because even in later on, in chapter 3, verse 16, on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened the man whom you see and know, and the faith which comes through him has given him his perfect health and presence of you all. Um Acts chapter four verse twelve, and there is no salvation. In, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men, by we must be saved. So it's, you know, it's directed toward Jesus. And um, uh, verse thirty-two of chapter four, and the congregation of those who believed were on one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to them was his own, but all things were common property to them. Um, uh, Acts chapter 5 verse 31 He is the one whom God exalted to the right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to all Israel and forgiveness of sin. Um, again, it's, 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 one is mainly focusing on Jesus, but then uh, they even understand that is always believe. Acts chapter 8 verse 12 But when they believe, Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized men and women like. So it was like they believed, and that's what the result is, that they, they got baptized. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued on uh, with Philip, and he observed signs and great miracles taking place. He was constantly amazed. And uh, again, continues serving through this book, Acts chapter 10, verse 43, of him, all the prophets bear witness that through him, through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin. Uh, verse uh, ch uh, chapter 11 verse uh, 21 and the hand of the Lord was with them and a large number who believed turned to the Lord jumping down to verse 24 for he was a good man and full of holy spirit and of faith and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord again I do want to stress the fact that the book of Acts does not say that you need to be baptized to be saved that even in the book itself it is speaking and testifying that the only way that you get saved is through faith. Um, Acts chapter 15, verse 
9, uh, and he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. This is when the apostles were debating whether or not they get circumcised, and it is by faith. And the circumcision was even a greater um, you know, way to, uh, it's, I mean, it's way harder than, than, uh, than uh, baptism. And they said that you know, they're not even need, they don't even need to do the hard thing, which is baptism. Um, so then why would we tell them to, I mean, circumcision, so why would they do baptism? So in other words, uh, the easier thing is, uh, is not seen as the important thing, not even the greater thing, the harder thing that is actually, to the Jewish mind, more important, that was neglected. Acts chapter 15, verse 11, But we believe we are saved through the grace of God in the same way as they are also. Same, same context here. People were uh, debating whether or not they need to be circumcised, and then Paul and Peter were saying, no, it's, it's believing in the Lord. When Paul was in prison, uh, Acts chapter 16, believe in the Lord uh, Jesus, you uh, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Um, yeah, so then again, uh, just trying to, I'm trying to draw as many of these verses. There's a little bit more that I'm like kind of neglecting, but for the sake of time, you just understand that the, the, the book of Acts itself testifies to the reality that it's not the baptism saves you. It's that the reason why you get baptized is because you have, because of the salvation of your, uh, that you've received, because of the forgiveness of your sin. Which is why, and then the result of that is that you receive the Holy Spirit. And just another way to illustrate this is that in Luke chapter 18, verse 18-27, Jesus says that unless you sell everything, you can't get into the kingdom. And that's not saying here that like in order for you to be genuinely saved, you need to get, give rid of all your money because neither money or baptism saved you. It's only trusting in the Lord. And the result of that is that you want to get baptized and is that you want to be willing to give up all your wealth for the kingdom of God. Verse uh, 39, For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to him. Again, this is where those passages where predestination and free will are in the same verse, and I'm just going to say that it is both. So it's not necessarily one or the other. I do think that uh, their God is sovereign and man is responsible. God calls and people resp and re repents, and and I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> verse 40, and with many other words, he solemn testified and kept on exhorting them, be saved from this perverted generation. And Peter is exhorting them to tell them to, to turn to turn from their sin. And the result is this. So then those who had received his word were baptized. Again, this goes back to the, the fact that they received it first. It wasn't that they got baptized and that they believed. It's that they, they accepted the word, the truth of God's word, and then the result is that they were baptized. And that day they were added about 3,000 souls. That is important that to understand that baptism back then it was it's a very shameful thing. It's appalling to the world, and to be publicly identifying yourself with Jesus is it's it doesn't we don't feel that way in our context because we, you know we have so many baptisms and it seems almost like a normal thing. It's like in you know even the secular culture understand what we're doing, but back then it was Christianity was a new thing. So doing this ritual of baptism was was it's it's weird to the world. Uh, but they still did it because this is a way of identifying with Jesus Christ. Um, when Jesus got baptized, John the Baptist was freaking out, wondering why I should be the one baptizing you. You're not supposed to baptize me. But Jesus did it so as, a, as a way of just demonstrating what a perfect life looks like. Um, and he and we're called to do baptism because we're saying we're identifying 
uh, with the Lord. It's a confession of faith publicly. Uh, we're patterning our life after Jesus, and we're in a lot of ways interwoven with Jesus in baptism. Baptism, again, comes after the profession of faith. And there's, you know, something that you need to understand is that if you hear God's word, if you're hearing this message and you haven't been baptized, and you've been a believer for a while, uh, you need to get baptized. Not for the sake of your salvation, but for the sake of obedience. We get baptized as an act of obedience to the Lord because that's what he commands us. Um, I've said this before, that not getting baptized isn't a sin, but not wanting to get baptized is a sin. You see the distinction? Not getting baptized isn't a sin, meaning like the thief on the cross or people that in your life that may be on the hospital bed, they believe in Jesus Christ at the very end of their life, they died. Uh, that's But they have, if opportunity, if they wanted to, if they had the opportunity, they probably would have gotten baptized because they love Jesus. That's that's the want. Um, they want to get baptized, but they can't. Um, so that means that not getting baptized doesn't make you make it as sinful. But not wanting to, meaning you have uh, you have the knowledge of God's word. You know what the Bible has to say about baptism. You know that it's a public declaration of your faith and unity in Jesus Christ. And you choose deliberately saying, I don't want to get baptized, even though I know this is what the Bible has to say. If you choose not to do that, then that is a sin. Because this is this is the most basic command in Scripture. It's not something that requires a lot. You, know, you don't need to go through like the whole entire fundamentals of the faith class. You don't need to go through church membership to become baptized. It's the most basic thing that a Christian has to do. It's literally like, um, it's, it's supposed to be the entry-level exam. It's not supposed to be hard. You don't need to know every doctrine. It's just out, out of a love for the Lord and obedience to Him. The very first thing that you do even before doing things like evangelism, telling other people about it, the first thing, the most basic elementary thing that a Christian needs to do when they're a Christian is that they get baptized. And if you are not baptized, then I would recommend you emailing the pastors and we can maybe set up a appointment for that. Uh, but baptism is a result of genuine faith. Uh, the people were amazed by it. They were in awe by the Lord and what they've heard and the results that the Lord increased their, their church. Uh, verse 42, um, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So the moment they get saved, they got baptized, and they kept, they just kept growing. It's that they were continually devoting themselves to its teaching. That means like the preaching of God's word. Uh, that's why for some of you, that's why you come every Sunday. You don't come on Sunday because that's what you do on Sunday. You come on Sunday because it's just part of the regular life of the Christian. That you're devoting yourself to, to the teaching of God's word to fellowship, to be you know, with one another, uh, to the breaking of bread, you know, communion, and prayer. And this is all the elements that we have in our church. Um, you know, we, have, we may have other extracurricular things in our church, but the primary thing is the teaching of God's word, fellowshiping of the saints, breaking of bread, you mean communion, and prayer. Notice that baptism doesn't come up so you don't get baptized more than once. It's just an entry-level thing that you do once in your Christian life, but everything else is here, teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer, this, that's ongoing. Um, that's all part of what it means to be uh, in, the, in the, the Christian life in the context of the church. So again, if you truly are obedient to the Lord, this is the result of that. The result is that you want to learn about God's word, that you want to fellowship with other people, that you want to take communion, you want to pray with one another. That's also the inverse is also true, that if you don't desire these things, that probably means you don't desire the Lord. If you love the Lord, you will always want to learn about the Lord. You always want to fellowship with other saints. You always want to do communion to remember uh, what the Lord has done for you, and you'll always be praying to Him. Lack of desire is is a, it can be a symptom of lack of faith. 
that's just something you need to check your own, your own self. Is it the reason why you don't want to teach or hear the teaching of God's word, fellowship, whether do communion, prayer? Is the reason why you don't want to do those things because you know you don't want to or you can't? You know, again, if you're like in a hospital or something, again, I'm saying that's you can't. But if you don't want to, then that's something that is a problem here. I understand with COVID, uh, these uh, things are all hindered for a lot of us. Hearing the teaching, hearing, having fellowship, communion, prayer. Um, these were things, the first things that the elders wanted to bring back. And it was the thing that we, pri- we try to encourage all of you to prioritize in your own life, to return to the church in some capacity, whether it is a small group of the people that you fellowship with each other, that you have communion, that you're praying with each other. Because again, this is the outflow of a genuine response to, to knowing who Jesus Christ is. Verse 43, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possession and were sharing with, the, with all as, any, as anyone might have need. So you, know, you can see this genuine love that the church began to have with one another, that they were changed, that no longer were these strangers to them anymore, that they were brothers and sisters of the faith. Um, they were willing to give up uh, property or their own possessions and meet the needs of the saints. James chapter 2, verse 14, What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can the faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one who says to him, Go in peace, be warm, be filled, and yet you do not give uh, them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even, even so, if faith has no works, is dead, being by itself. So, this was not the, what the early church was like. It would seem that when James was around, he was writing this, the letters of James, that eventually that's what happened, that people eventually stopped caring, but um, stopped caring for one another and stopped meeting each other's needs. But a genuine love for the, the, the saints, the, the fel- your fellow brothers and sisters, is that you are willing to share with what you have. First John chapter 3, verse 17, But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, closes the heart against him. How does the love of God abide in him? So again, Verse 18, little, bro- little children, let us not love with word or tongue, but in deed and truth. So that was what's going on in, the, in this early church. When Peter's preached, people were at all who God is. They kept The church kept growing, and then as a result, they kept loving one another. They fulfilled the great commandment. They love God, and they love one another. Verse 46, day by day, continue with one mind in the temple and breaking bread with, from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Um, so then this seems to indicate that they were evangelizing as well. They were doing communion. Uh, they were eating together. They basically just love being with each other. I think one of the sad things about COVID is that it, for at least last year, it made people apart from the body. And some people love to be with the body just for social reasons. And that's not inherently wrong. But the main reason why you want to fellowship is because you have that unity in the Lord. And you're thankful to see how the Lord is working through each other's lives and how he's changing you and more and transforming you to be more like a son. That's why we want to fellowship with each other. We want to uh, basically hear what God has been doing in our lives. And we praise God for it. Verse 47. Praising God and having uh, favor with all the people and the Lord was adding to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. Now what's interesting is that the holiness and their faithfulness and obedience to the Lord is what drew people uh, to the church. It wasn't so much that um, they had some scheme or some sort of grand evangelistic outreach event that caused them to, you know, that caused people to want to come to church. They were just being obedient to the Lord. You know, they were not ashamed. Uh, they got baptized. They were willing to give up 
uh, land and, and, and their material, ga material uh, possessions for one another. And that became very attractive to the world. Uh, the watching world saw this love that, you know, I mean, for a lot of them, they were even persecuting the church themselves. And they saw this love that the church had, and they wanted it. They wanted to understand, why are you doing this for one another? And inevitably, they have to share the gospel. Like, well, because you know, we are, we're brothers and sisters in the faith. Because of Jesus Christ, and we are all together. And that's very unique to the world. The world wants some sort of community. You hear that over and over again. But those communities, they'll come and go as soon as the fad comes and goes. Um, but we as a church, we've existed since the beginning of Acts. And we, uh, one of the ways that you just want to be a good testimony to the world, to the watching world, is that you show love to the brethren and the saints. Because pe people want that. People want to be want to be part of something beyond themselves. And the church is the only institution where God promises that he builds and that not even Hades or devil or anything can overcome the church. So in other words, every institution all over the world will eventually collapse except for the church because God is one who builds the church. So we get to be part of that. We get to be part of this body here in San Francisco. And then as we keep hearing God's word preach, may that cause us to have great awe and reverence of the Lord. And that's what should compel us to love each other. And in that love for one another and our obedience to him, that we become attractive to the world. And they would ultimately, not because we want to draw them for sake of just hanging out with them here on this earth or at church, but rather they're part of our family. When Our greatest hope is that they become part of our eternal family, that they are part of God's kingdom. And we become brothers and sisters, and we want to draw people to that great reality. I hope that is helpful for you when you think about every time you read God's Word or every time you study God's Word, that makes you have a greater love for Him, it causes a greater obedience to Him, and which causes you to love being with the church more, which then it inevitably will draw outsiders to, not to the church necessarily, but to our great Savior. Thanks for listening. Take care and have a great day.